0: Good evening. (laughs) I just got a text from somebody saying, hey, I was wondering if the conversation tonight is at 7 or (laughs) 7.30. And I was like, mm, better text her now so she can get here. Well, good evening. How are y'all? Yeah? How many guys work today? Okay. How many guys stayed at home? How many guys didn't work but you weren't at home? Okay. Well, I am grateful for you guys being here this evening. Um, We are gonna have a conversation and I'm excited for it. I I haven't been to one of the parent uh, workshops that Miss Sylvia has been doing, primarily because they're on Wednesdays and I'm normally over there with the junior high and high school students. Um, So I've missed some of the formatting. So I apologize if I um, kind of don't do exactly what's expected Um, because I don't know what's happened. But what my hope and prayer is for tonight is that it would be conversational. Um, My goal is to end around 15 minutes early, and I've literally been praying for that because it's quite near impossibility for me, Um, in in order to leave leave space for questions. And so for me, I am really terrible about having questions when the time for questions arises, So as we're talking, or as I'm talking, I would love it for you guys to jot your questions down so that way we can come back to them at the end um, because I want to do questions. I was trying to figure out a way to do anonymous questions, but then I'm like, who cares about anonymity at this point? Like, we're doing this, so ask your questions. Just ask it. Um, Do your best to ask it well, um, but ask the questions, and we'll go from there. And, um, yeah, so as people trickle in, um, Sylvia is going to catch you. If you didn't grab a packet, this, I tried to build this out. So this by itself is a resource. So you can walk away now and you have good stuff. Okay. And so if you haven't received one, um, you want to raise your hand and Sylvia will bring you one, or you can walk to the back and grab one. You don't ha- there's no fill in the blanks. That's not my style. Um, but you can take notes if you choose to. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the night with some prayer. Can we do that? Okay, so let us bow our heads and let's talk to the Lord for a couple seconds. So, my Lord, I thank you, God, for um, for drawing us here, for giving us a church family, a body to learn and grow and wrestle out the scriptures and culture and how we um, how we raise our children and our grandchildren, how we influence this generation. God, I thank you, Lord. Being the ultimate guide, I thank you, God, for being um, 100% involved in this. I thank you, Lord, that we are not out here working it out and figuring it out on our own, my Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and um, um, guide our minds, guide our emotions, guide my words, and guard all of our ears, my Lord. I pray, Father, for a supernatural, um, a supernatural gift of understanding right now, but also a supernatural gift of your hopefulness and your faith, Lord, that we would be able to know that there is much work to be done, but you, God, have equipped those who are reaching out for the harvest, my Lord. And I pray that we would leave feeling empowered, encouraged, and excited to engage this generation. Would you give us your mind, my Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so come on in, find a seat. Um, There is coffee and water over there. This is supposed to be casual, so feel free to get up and refresh or whatever you got to do. I am literally, as I was praying, I could feel the sweat dripping down my arms, okay? So I am very nervous, Um, very excited nervous. Nervous, not because I'm unconfident about my content. I'm actually, this is the stuff I know really well. I'm nervous because the content is really important, and it, um, the, the, the subject matter automatically puts us in tense territory. And so because of that, I really like you guys. And because of that, I really want you to like me, and so I'm nervous. Whenever things are uh, important, um, it makes me nervous. So just know that I will probably um, do weird things because I feel weird inside okay (laughs) and so i will laugh and i will i will do things and it will be just a little awkward um but have grace for me um because i've never done this i've never done this with parents this is a conversation i've had a bazillion and 12 times with maybe some of your students Um, So it's really an honor for me to get to talk with parents in a a setting like this. I have talked with a ton of parents, but normally it's in an emergency situation. And so I'm really grateful just to be like, hey, let's chat, guys. Um, I see some educators in the house. I see some grandparents here. So I'm really honored to be able to be with you guys um, and have this conversation. And so the way I'm going to go about this is I'm going to first, we're going to first build a theological framework, okay, because I feel like we have to start. With Scripture, because Scripture gives us our guardrails. It helps us know where we're not going to escape. Um, I always think about guardrails as when you're driving on the freeway and there's literally the guardrail. It keeps you from flying off the freeway, so that you can still go at a high rate of speed and feel a little bit safe. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start with Scripture. We're gonna build a f- theological framework. Um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of my personal perspectives and experiences as a mom and as a youth minister. Okay, because those um, that feeds a lot into this. Um, and then we're going to go through a little bit of different conversations that you can have according to different age groups. I'm actually going to go through that kind of quickly because the thing I want to really do is spend a decent amount of time talking about what do you do if a kid comes out to you and what do you do in that conversation? Because I think that that is a life-saving conversation and I don't want us to get that wrong. Okay. I want us to know how to do that. Um, and then I'm going to give some advice for those who are ministering within the church and for those who love kids and those who are parents, okay? So that's kind of the way the evening will go. Again, write down your questions if you have them. Um, I will take, like, if this is a pressing question, raise your hand. I'll go for it. I might blow you off. Like, I'll, I'll take the question. We're like, mm-mm, not now. Um, that just comes from youth ministry. I'll just be like, uh-uh. <laughs> write that one down. Get me later, you know? And so don't feel offended by that. We just, um, I, have a, I have a clock I'm watching, okay? Okay. And so I do know that because of the subject matter, and I do not know where you guys already are coming from. Kay? I don't know. I have no clue. Nobody kind of wrote in and was like, this is how, this is the stance, which is like literally one of my, fav- my least favorite words. Like, what's your stance on? Um, I'm not a stancy person, okay? Stance um, is a picture to me of um, unwavering, an unwaveringness about something that maybe we can we can move around about a bit about there's certain things I will move around a bit about so I don't usually use the phrase stance um, because it it makes it seem like we can't have a conversation any longer so I want to talk about a little bit of ground rules whenever I'm having this conversation my little clicker didn't work please work do I have to point it Praise the Lord for technology. That is the world I live in. It literally worked earlier. I'm gonna hand this over to Sylvia. (sighs) Click the clicker. (laughs) Okay. Can you um can you click on the um if you click on the computer, it'll move. And then you can have your chair back because I stole it. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I want to talk about some ground rules because whenever we're talking about um, um, LGBTQ topics, um, it can become really um, absolute. And so I don't really try to roll in absolutes. Okay. And we're going to walk through this conversation. We're going to sit in a posture of respect. I totally respect, When p- sometimes people come to me and they want to argue with me about women in ministry. It's a common thing that happens. They're like, so tell me about your view on women in ministry. I'm like, well, take a guess, dude. Um, <laughs> but they always kind of want to talk to me about it. And I'm just like, let's go, let's do this. And so I highly respect people who believe that women shouldn't be in ministry. I highly respect it because I understand the nuance of scripture. So when people come at me, I'm like, oh, I, I get your perspective. And I can sit at the table with you even though you don't respect my position. I'm okay with that because I sit in a posture of respect and I understand the difficulty of navigating the text. I understand it. And so I don't disrespect differing opinions about things that really are quite complicated, okay? And so if you have found yourself in in an experience or with a theological background that has led you to disagree with me, just know that I'm okay with that, okay? And because I'm okay with that, I would love for you to be okay with me being in disagreement with you. OK, and so if we disagree at some point in this, my my caution would be try not to throw out everything I've ever told you, <laughs> you know, what I mean, or never listen to it. don't don't never listen to anything I ever say in the future. It is totally possible for us to live in disagreement on pieces of an issue and still live and worship together pretty fully. Okay, because I suspect there are people in here who have experiences and have some softness or have some hardness about the many, many avenues of this situation that might make you feel like, "Mm, what is she saying right now? Okay, so my posturing often leads me, I'm very, very confident in what scripture says, but the way I handle and navigate people is really soft. And because of that, um, people often confuse my language and be like, wait, did she say that she's okay with this? Like, they'll kind of, they'll forget that I've already said, this is how I feel. This is what scripture says. They'll forget all of that because my language is actually really um, accepting. When you start using accepting language, people start being like, oh, this girl, she doesn't believe in scripture. They'll like chalk me up. They'll like write me off completely. Let me just invite you to be in the middle of that tension, and we're going to wrestle for the tension of being in the middle where I understand what scripture says, and I understand what people hear when I say it in the wrong way. So I fight to stay heard by a generation who's expecting me to reject them. I fight to stay heard. So I am very particular with my language. I am very particular with my tone. I'm very particular with a lot of things because I want to stay heard, because I believe I have the source of truth. Okay, I believe I have the source of healing. Um, and if I stop being heard because I use the wrong word, um, I might miss out. So I use a lot of words that might make you confused about the source of my theology. So we're going to start with the source of my theology, and we're going to go from there. But don't forget what I believe, because when I use words, you're going to be like, oh, dang, Candace is going the wrong. Don't think that. Okay, don't think it, guys. Go back to this comment. Re- go back to this place. Um, main t- hold on to Respect. Hold on to respect. If someone asks a question and they use a phrase that feels like bigotry, we're going to hold on to respect in this house. We're going to hold on to it. We're going to make space for people to make mistakes with their language here tonight. That's what this is. Um, I remember one time we had a class that was all about, we did a Zoom group and it was all about uh, uh, how to deal with racism within the church. And I had a couple and they were the only white folk in the class. And it was just so amazing. Every time they're like, Can I ask a question? And with fear and trembling, they would be like, I don't know how to say it. They would just say, and it was just the most precious thing in the world because I could tell they were doing their best to get at truth without offending the ones they're asking right? And so sometimes we got to put some of that effort on, but even then, when we do it, we're still probably going to offend people. And let me tell you, in this, in this world, it is a easily to, it's a easy to offend world. I learned so much even in my most recent dose of research. and I was like, oh, I'm doing things wrong again. Cool. Uh, I guess I got to adapt, right? We're going to sit in an atmosphere of curiosity, which means we don't assume we know it all. I do not assume I know it all primarily because the culture shifts so rapidly. I'm going to learn the new language of next year. I'm committed to that. I'm going to learn that new language. Um, It's a a common thing for people like, oh, the language changes all the time. I'm like, yep, keep up. Let's go. If we're going to engage here, you can learn new new languages. Um, We learn new things all the time, right? And so I choose to not be frustrated by the language changing faster than I can learn it. I just work to keep up, and I am constantly behind constantly behind. I'm always like, oh, what's that word? You know, like, that's cool. i dial that one away. Like I, but I, so I choose to sit with a posture of curiosity. Um, and so I'm, I sit wondering rather than criticizing, right? I sit wondering rather than criticizing. And when, if you decide to get into this world, you're going to be shocked so regularly. Like there are classes that I sit at with pastors who look like things that I, they look, in ways that I think pastors shouldn't look. I'm like, oh, you're a pastor? Like, I'm literally dealing with all of my expectations of pastoral leadership just by being in these Zoom meetings sometimes. I'm like, okay, dealing. I'm going to sit. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to listen to this person. You know, like I don't, you know? Um, and so it's really, really, uh, it's important that we sit um, in a posture of curiosity, and we are going to use thoughtful language thoughtful language, which might mean you stutter, you talk slow. We're going to try our best to use thoughtful language. Um, And I'm going to do my best to explain as much um, because I really have been talking about these things for quite a bit of time, so there might be some words that I spit out that need some definition. So if you need some definition for words, just ask. Above all, I would pray it is my prayer, and I've been praying for this, that we would all leave here not feeling like we are on the defensive. I would pray that we leave here confident that the Lord has it under control, that we don't have to defend the Lord's honor. <laughs> like, we don't, to, we don't have to draw hard lines in the sand. Like, we can go, we can actually operate from a place of victory in this, too. The Lord hasn't decided that this topic's too hard for him. He hasn't decided that this topic's too complicated for the church. He hasn't isolated this and be like, well, I hope you guys figure it out. He's not departed himself from this topic. Um, he is fully involved. He is fully aware. And he is fully going to equip us to stay engaged. To stay engaged. And the thing is, is as you stay engaged, you're going to make mistakes, but the Lord is sufficient. Okay, And so even in the moments when I recount some of the conversations I've had with young kids where I'm like, oh, man, I, I messed that one up. I messed that one up. There are still kids 10 years later who are still worshiping in our doors, even though I can look back and say, I messed up that conversation because the Lord is sufficient. And I depend on that way more than my head knowledge. Okay, so let's walk out of here with a little bit of more knowledge, a little bit more sophistication with how to um, um, handle the topic, but ultimately, we don't depend on us. We don't depend on us. Okay, and so page one, page one. What an opportunity we have to minister in these days, amen? I do think sometimes parents, we get, it, we get a language that we pick up from other sad parents of like, oh my gosh, woe was me parenting these days, right? We just start to, we pick that up and we say it. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying when you say that? Because I tell you, parenting in these days is actually the Lord's choice for you, okay? So he has chosen for you to parent, to grandparent, to teach in these days, and so it is your opportunity to minister well in these days. Because of the day we live in, it is an opportunity for us to shine extra bright. Okay. So what an opportunity to minister. What an opportunity to be the church. God is good enough to operate here. Okay. And so I want to go over, let's see. I'm going to get my notes so I can follow along with you guys. We're going to go over um, just Quinania's statement. This is not news. This is not made up. This is something that's been on our website for a long time. Um, I seek to have um, obvious transparency so that if there is a person who is um, queer in any way and they're looking to find a church home, that they can find our stance on our website. I feel like that's love. Okay, so they can find it. And if you're if you are gay and you're looking for a church that's affirming or non-affirming, you're going to look on a website. You're going to know what to look for. They're going to see from our language that oh, this church is not affirming, but they're welcoming. They're going to be able to welcome. So we've worked on this to say just that. And so I'm going to read it aloud to you. Um, Perfect. It says, Marriage is a fundamental institution ordained by God, for the well-being of humanity. The Christian view of marriage is a covenantal relationship. I'm going to pause there. Christian view of marriage is uh, it's being compromised right now, okay? So uh, as I look at other churches, even our partner churches where we work together on a lot of things, I'm like, "Oh, you're you're going a different way there." And so this actually um, might separate us from even some of our ministry partners, guys. Okay. So Christian view of marriage is a covenantal relationship. Covenantal relationship. That's a language that means that it's covered by Christ. There's an arrangement, there's an agreement by two parties, and it's covered by the blood of Jesus. So your marriage is not even up to you once you commit that way. It's actually a now in relationship with a covering of God. Very, very big deal. So we don't really get to mess with that. Okay. It's a covenantal relationship between one man and one woman. Okay? Monogamy is up for grabs right now. It's another thing. Okay, one man and one woman intended to be a lifelong commitment of love, trust, and fidelity. Sexual relations are designed to be expressed exclusively within the context of this covenantal relationship, okay? The union of marriage reflects the image of God who created humanity in his own image in a relationship of unity and diversity. At a time when the definition and purpose of marriage is being challenged, we hold firmly to the Christian view of marriage and the Christian sexual ethic. We affirm that it is essential for the flourishing of society, the well-being of individuals, and the glory of God. You guys can look that up on our website anytime. Um, So this isn't new. Um, We're just living this out for real. So what do those words mean? Okay. We are a church who believes that the doors are open to people who don't believe yet. And the doors are open to people who are curious. The doors are open to people who are broken. The doors are open, okay? So that means we do worship with people who have different levels and doses of um, emotional dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, relational dysfunction, and even spiritual dysfunction. There's a lot of people, we actually have some friends recently who are like coming in with their like talismans, like just strange, strange worship practices. And so the doors are open, um, but not every avenue is open, okay? So the way that that works out is um, a lot of people, you can be in the doors because we're seeking after your soul. We're seeking after your your spirit for the Lord. You can be in the doors, but you can't be in leadership if you're not saved. Um, You can't be in leadership if you're not living a lifestyle that um, aligns with biblical principles, And that is vague and challenging as the person who gets to have the conversations of a leadership denial. (laughs) I get to do those ones where I'm like, hey, I realize that you are living with your boyfriend and you're not married, so that means you can't lead worship. I have those conversations because we do our best to make sure that the standard is straight across and it's not elevated, highlighted, or specialized in a certain specific area of sin, which let me tell you, it's really hard because culture has told us that a lot of things are not a big deal. And so then all of a sudden, when people come in here, we're like, actually, it's a big deal. And sometimes I literally say it like that because it makes me feel weird. I'm so nervous about people feeling like I'm judging them. I'm like, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. It's hard stuff. Hard stuff, okay? And so um, we work really hard on these things, and uh, the sexual ethic is a big deal. It's a big deal to us. So let me do some definitions. I forgot. I wanted to tell you just a little bit of my, about my context. So I'm a mother of two. I have a son who's 14 and I have a daughter who's 11. Um, I've been in youth ministry. I did the math for 18 years. That's freaking wild. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even feel that old, you know? I've been in youth ministry for 18 years. Um, and I don't know why, but this became something of an area for me really early. I think f- I suspect it's because my very first batch of kids I had a pretty high percentage of questioning kids. Um, a lot of kids where I'm like, are you a boy? You know, like just <laughs> which group do you go in? You know, like just you know, just trying to figure it out. And I think because that very first group was so, um, there was a lot of uh, fronting of a sexual confusion. It was obvious that I was like, oh man, I better read some books because I was 18 years old. I didn't know how to do it. So I just started very very young, started reading the books, started listening to the podcast, started really researching in scripture. And let me tell you, in the beginning, it was with fear and trembling that I would have these conversations because I was so afraid, primarily because I believed what scripture said, but I didn't believe that it was actually going to be helpful for people. Okay, I sat there. I was like, I believe what scripture says, but when I tell you this, I feel like you're thinking it's not going to be good enough. Okay? So I was so afraid to tell people the truth of the word of God that it was with such angst that I would have certain conversations with my youth pastor or whoever it was. I was like, man, this thing's happening. What do we do? And I was just always like, ah. And I will tell you, not that I don't have fear and trembling um, anymore, but it actually I walk in a little bit of a different confidence, primarily not because of a, a greater aptitude of, te- um, of the theology, but it's because of a greater understanding of the goodness of God. As I have grown up as a Christian and I understand greater um, how good God is, I respect his boundaries. I'm like, man, God is so good. He wouldn't put these rules out there for nothing. And I trust that way more today than I did 18 years ago. Okay? I trust the goodness of God. God is so good that if he said this, it must be good. If he has put this rule out there, it must be good. So because I trust in the goodness of God, I can say it a little bit with a lot of less faces. You know what I mean? I use a lot less faces, and I can be a lot more clear. And it has nothing to do with a change in the words. It's it's a, a change in the understanding of the one who gave me the words. So if you're feeling like a huge amount of like, I don't know if I could ever tell anybody that, get closer to the Lord start to trust, start to push on. And I, I wrestle with the Lord on these things, guys. I would go to them like, why, God? How come they just can't be married? How come they just can't love one another? They're not harming anybody. I went to the Lord with all the questions because I did not understand. I didn't have the why. And for a certain percentage of it, I still don't have the why, but I no longer need it. I no longer need it because my, the understanding of the goodness of God has superseded my need for clarification of the details of the rule. Okay? And so I have a lot more clarity, but I, I've started walking this out um, because I know the one who's in charge, and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and he has not been unclear in Scripture. So my question for you is, can you step into that trusting the Lord? When we parent, the Lord did not give you your kids on accident. If you have a kid who is... Um, sexually wavering. He did not give you that kid on accident. The Lord knows what he's doing. Can you trust that and step forward? Step forward. So a couple definitions, okay? LGBT. There's a lot of different ways to define um, or write out this acronym. Um, I'm going to show you guys one of my favorite resources called Guiding Families Um, It's a beautiful text, number one, and I I value that. It's like really soft paper. (laughs) I have a value of quality paper. Um, It's a really good, it's not a cheap resource, okay? It's not a cheap. I think this is 60 bucks. Um, You can borrow mine, um, borrow mine, um (laughs) and if you're in need, let me know and I'll get you one. But it's a really good resource. This is like the Essentials Edition. It's like the boiled down version. And I pulled a lot from this. So we're going to go over some definitions. um, Because I think definitions are key. And I'm going to say this on repeat. When you're talking with a student, ask for the definitions. Because most likely you guys are all working on two separate different, you know, you're working on different planets a little bit. Ask for definitions. Like, what do you mean by that? Tell me what you mean by that. Actually, me, Andrew, Chad, Sylvia, we have to do this all the time. What do you mean when you say that? We were just having a huge old conversation on integrity. We defined it eight different ways. And we're like, well, we don't know anything. <laughs> Obviously, that's why we're arguing right now, because we don't know what integrity means. <laughs> um, that's probably a really bad example. We do know what integrity means. We're a people of integrity. Um, but you try to define it. It's crazy. Okay, so L, G, B, T, plus, I put the plus there because I'm actually going to go over a lot of the different terms, okay? So I'm just going to take this straight from the book because why make it up? L stands for lesbian. Lesbian is a woman who is, exclusive, who is ex- attracted exclusively to a um, s- and significantly to other women. Gay is kind of a blanket term, but it originated to kind of talk about um, men who are talking, who are attracted to men, but now it's kind of used as a blanket term. Um, Bisexual is for people who are attracted to more than one gender, but not necessarily at the same time. Um, in the same way or to the same degree. A lot of times um, when I talk with young girls, they'll start out bisexual, because they're like, I have a boyfriend, but I kind of like my friend, you know? And so they're starting out bi, and then they'll kind of be like, nope, I'm lesbian. You know, they'll kind of, they kind of, there's a lot of movement that happens there. Transgendered. Transgendered is really uh, a challenging topic for me. I actually just bought in this process another set of books, because I'm going to get good at this. Um, but transgendered is describing a person whose internal sense of gender identity does not correspond with their birth sex, okay? And this is, this is a current issue of the church, I believe. Um, I believe we should, we should understand this because it's going to start changing things like bathroom rules. Like, it's, it's out there and we need to figure it out. Um, I can guarantee you there's transgendered people in our congregation and you don't know it, okay? And so living that way, that acknowledgement, makes me want to operate a certain way, Okay? So, transgendered. I'm gonna go over some of the plus, is that okay? Some of the plus, queer. Queer basically means non-straight, so it's an umbrella term referring to individuals who are not straight. Um, It used to be a derogatory term, and it's been reclaimed. Now, queer is really cool, okay, if you're queer. Um, Questioning is the other cue. Questioning just means they're not sure yet. They're not sure yet. And if I were to categorize people, which I really work hard not to do, most kids find themselves here for a long time. A long time. Questioning. Intersex. It's an I. Intersex means they were born with sex characteristics, genitals, gonads, uh, chromosomes, or um, endocrinology that does not correspond with the typical notions of male or female bodies. This is actually very rare. Very, very rare. But um, uh, when I read scripture, I think about like people like the eunuch. I bet you he was or she was, you know what I mean, an intersex person. Born in a way where their gender was difficult to um, actualize hormonally. Okay. Asexual. Um, experiencing minimal or uh, no sexual attraction to other individuals. Asexual people can experience a range of romantic inclination um, and say, like they say, gray romantic to full romantic. This is actually gaining in popularity as far as I'm concerned. Like I'm hearing about it more and more. And in my opinion, it's, it's usually directly connected to a person who's been sexually harmed. They no longer have a desire to be intimate with somebody else. And so that part of them has been shut down. Isn't that sound like the root of sin? Okay. An ally. An ally. Ally is a person who is not LGBT, but who affirms progressive LGBT, social, political, and theological causes. Pansexual is um, attraction to people not limited by the person's biological sex, gender identity. Um, so bisexual means you like boys and girls. Pansexual means you like boys who used to be girls, or girls who used to be boys. You like them all. Okay? Clear? Clear? Okay. Um, Same-sex attracted is a term that I use a ton. I use a ton because for me, it rolls back identity a little bit. And when I talk with a student and they're like, I kind of think I like my friend. I'm like, oh, you're experiencing same-sex attraction. I try to give them language really quick. That is not language that the rest of the world is using that immediately says they're gay. Okay. So I'll say, oh man, you're experiencing same-sex attraction. Same-sex attraction or same-sex affection, those are words that the LGB community do not like. They don't like this um, because it automatically puts you in a camp that says, oh, you don't affirm that this is an identity issue. And so just, you know, be thoughtful about that. Um, I'm thoughtful where I say that, but I'm primarily talking with people one-on-one. Affirming versus non-affirming. This is a big deal for church folk. Um, we as a church, we are non-affirming, which means when you come into the house, you're welcome to be here. You're welcome to worship here. I believe you can have an encounter with Jesus. But um, the uh, sexual encounters outside of the, mar- the, the holiness of the marriage covenant is sin. And I count um, uh, LGBT sex as sin. Which then has other ramifications, right, um we will baptize a person who is gay, okay, and that's a significant thing, not every church does, um but we have found that like man, I'll baptize a person who's high, <laughs> right I'll baptize a person who's living with their boyfriend I'm gonna baptize you know what I mean so like we and that's that was a hard conversation, and so we decided we we'll, we'll do this because um the Lord does the work of transformation, which we'll get to that later. And so when it comes to baptism, so we're non-affirming. Affirming churches, which we have a lot of affirming churchin- churches friends in our community who say that not only are you welcome here, but you can actually be on staff, you can be in leadership because your behavior is not sin. Okay? And that's affirming. And um, there's a lot of, there, that's a growing population of Christians, um, which actually makes this conversation really tricky. And so... What I what I'm hopeful for? No, nope. no. Nope. Get off topic. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I want to talk about. Oh, accepting. Praise the Lord. Let me keep going through my definitions. Accepting. This is a phrase that a lot of people freak out about. Okay, they're like, you're accepting. Ugh. You know, like they get really mad. Like here, yeah. and they start calling me things whatever, dude, okay? Accepting. I wrote it out for you so you don't forget. Oh, Candace is accepting. This is what that means, okay? It's an honest and full acknowledgement of the reality of a situation, a love towards someone as they are, not as one would like them to be. Acceptance does not inherently mean approval of a situation or of other people's dealings in that situation, Acceptance also does not mean feeling good about a situation. It is a state in which each person, the loved ones and self, can move forward owning their respective roles and responsibilities in a situation. Okay. So that means we can still have dinner. We can still hang out. We can still... Uh, pray together. We can still read scripture together. I'm not saying if you're not accepting that you can't do those things. um, But some of us couldn't do those things during COVID. When we couldn't agree on masks. Some of us can't do those things. You know what I mean? Like Our inability to sit at the table is compromised really, really easily. And in a situation this big, you have to fight for that. And so I fight for that. Um, And there's some very big reasons why. Homosexual. It is a word um, that, quite frankly, I use all the time. It's a person who's attracted to the same sex or gender. gender. Um, it's generally considered an outdated or offensive term to LGBT plus individuals. I just learned that. Like, we can't say homosexual anymore. Dang it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to rework my brain because apparently that's offensive, but whatever. Not whatever, but okay, like, let's go. Let's do it. Um, but just know um, if you are offended by that phrase, I'm probably going to use it, <laughs> and I apologize. Um, because it's in my it's in my uh, vernacular, pretty solid um, and I don't mean it offensively. I don't mean it in a passive way um, i I do experience frustration with the rapid changing terms, but I respect it enough to submit to it so I'm gonna do my best. I'm sorry. So they really like LGB they don't so here's a real trick ready um, they don't like LGBT. Because there is now a battle between the lesbian, gay, and bisexual community versus the trans community. Because the trans community is starting to advocate for things that actually disintegrate the values the LGBT community has just spent decades building. So there's now a war. And actually, let me just get there. As a church, because there's this war brewing in this community, I feel like it opens the door for us to intercede in a really powerful way because we're about to watch people without Christ start to spew hate to another group without Christ. And I think the volatility is going to be so high that we actually might get to stand in the middle and, and, and um, bring some compassion towards a human's humanity. What an opportunity to love. What an opportunity to say, hey, listen, I know you disagree with that person's theology, but I disagree with your theology, and I still think you're a child of God, right? We get to say that in a a world where it's about to get real ugly. So, LGB. (sighs) And so I mixed it up in here because I was like, I don't know who's paying attention, but I'm (laughs) going to touch all the bases. But sometimes I put a plus, sometimes I lift it off. Sometimes I put a Q. I think we should just go with Q, guys. I feel like Q covers it. Let's go. But I'm not in the driver's seat here, praise the Lord. Okay. I'm going to give you guys a quick theological framework, and I, the only reason why it's quick is because it's big, and this, I mean, it's it's a, f- I, I took like a 40, it's like hours and hours and hours long course, and I boiled it down to this little slip of scripture for you. Um. So we can read a few of them. I put a few, actually, I think I put them all on here. But Genesis 1 is really crucial. Um, Genesis 1 is God making us, um, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock of the wild animals, all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. Like he had an idea of what he was doing. It wasn't accidental. It didn't come, we did not come from primordial sludge. Right? We are created being with intentionality, with actually the breath of God inside of us. We, um, we're pretty powerful beings right? because of this. We're not accidental. We're not broken. Um, we're created in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the man gave his names to all the livestock. We're skipping ahead a chapter. The birds in the sky and all the world. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Okay, no suitable helper. I'm going to look because I have a note about what no suitable helper means. And I think it's pretty cool. The the word that um, Moses used when he wrote suitable helper Um, has to do with um, same but opposite, okay? Same but opposite, which means it's not an animal, okay? And it's not another man, but there's something of a fit required, so it's same but opposite, okay? Suitable helper, suitable helper. So the Lord caused a man to fall into sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place of the flesh. The Lord God made a woman, From the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is huge, big deal scripture for moving forward um, in conversations um because there's a lot of verses I've listed them a lot of them that talk about how um, man having sex with man is an abomination and a couple of the the arguments we'll talk about a lot of these different um, examples of sex are not actually consensual that it's it's more in the the category of rape but there's um, there's a decent amount of scripture that actually shows the the validity of saying even, Um, consensual, romantic-oriented relationship outside of the confines of what God painted here is still an abomination, okay? And so I know that sometimes there's this argument. It was like, well, those scriptures in the cultural context mean this, okay? And let me just caution. We use that same argument. There's the same style of argument for women in ministry and for not having slaves, okay? And so we have to be very careful with the way we use the text, Because if we use it improperly in this instance, those individuals who are wise, they're looking it up, they're doing the thing, they'll do the same thing for women in ministry and for having slaves. Because we can use, like, this, the argument is, is, is kind of slippery if we're not cautious. And so one of the things I want to be cautious of is that we do an entire survey of Scripture and look at the intent of the author and the trajectory of the, the, the entirety of the text. The trajectory is really crucial. When we look at the trajectory of all of the texts that talk about homosexuality, it never wavers in its allowance. It never wavers. All of them talk about, it's very consistent. The Lord saying, don't do this. Keep marriage between one woman, one man. Don't do this. Keep Don't sleep with your sister. Don't sleep with your dad's aunt, because that's your grandma's. You know, like, he kind of lines it up. Don't do these things. Do it. Have you guys ever read those verses? Like, don't sleep with your mom's um, brother. That's your uncle. Like, he's very, like, guys. But that's what people were doing. So the Lord is creating a sexual ethic that's not actually just about man or woman being together. It's, it's about not sleeping with your cousins okay? It's about not sleeping with, you know, your it's, He d- about, did you say goats? <laughs> Don't sleep with goats. Yes, it's in there. It's literally in there, okay? Like, the emission of horses, like, we're not doing that, okay? <laughs> Donkeys. We're going to stay in this lane because this is the Lord's best version of reality, and when you stay in this lane, not only will you prove yourself obedient. For the Lord's going to bless it, okay? So a lot of these verses, they're tricky. They're difficult, but it's very, very clear when you look at them all together that this is the plan of the Lord. This is the plan of the Lord, okay? And so if you guys read these texts and you have questions about them, bring that stuff to me. That's the stuff I love to wrestle out. Let me show you what I've learned. Let me show you where that's com- coming from, um, one of the things I caution about scripture is is the question, and this is really popular in Bible studies, is what does that text mean to me? It's a very difficult way to operate in text when you're trying to build a theology that's going to change the way you treat people. Because how do you feel in this moment versus yesterday? It could be, you know what I mean? So like when we're looking at verses and be like, what is it, fe- how do I feel about this verse? And everybody's teaching how to like that's what the Bible studies are saying. They're like, what do you feel about that? What do you feel about that verse? Like that's how we're at. but really we should be asking, what is God, what is God's intention with this verse? <laughs> and that takes the reflection off of us and onto the one who wrote the text. Okay. And here's the thing about reading the text is, um, Jesus, oh, there's, there's a lot of people who will say, um, oh, a lot of those verses, that was old Testament. That's old Testament stuff. Like people don't like, like, oh, or that's Paul. We don't even like Paul anymore. Paul's out. Like we don't do Paul. We only do Jesus text, Right. And so I did want to include a Jesus text. The Jesus text, actually, he refers straight back to this. So when Jesus was asked about divorce, which is an issue we have in the church, when Jesus was asked about divorce, he went back to, um, in Mark 10, he said, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. This is Jesus. This should be in red, praise the Lord. So whenever somebody's like, oh no, that's only Paul and Moses, like we're not talking, you know, they're like, I only listen to Jesus. I'm like, well, there's Mark 10. Let's look at Mark, you know. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus said it. And so, as you guys hear arguments and um, thoughts about how to, there's, there's, there's churches building theologies that allow for um, uh, LGBT folk to to live in a way that they can be affirming. And a lot of that comes with, uh, a. there's a pretty, a lot of work done to, to change the meaning of these texts. So I want you guys to be thoughtful and careful about how you're reading from social media, okay? Because social media should not be your pastor. And a lot of us do not read the Bible. Okay. Sometimes people tell me stuff. I'm like, I saw that post too, sir. Did you read Romans? You know, (laughs) I saw that one too. That one hit my feed too. I saw it. It's not the word of God accurately applied. And that's the work of the enemy, is he takes something that we can all identify as truth. It has a reference. Mark six or Mark 10 has a reference, so there's obvious truth, and he twists it into a lie. So we have to be cautious. We can't be like, oh, I saw it, and gay's okay. You know, like we can't, we can't be there. Wrestle it down. Read the text. I remember there was a young lady when I was in co- college, and we all got to write. Let's let's do a, a pa- paper on any topic we want. And she's like, I want to see if it's okay to be gay. I was like, dang girl, this girl like right in our freshman year. I was like, she's going for it. And she wrote a paper. It was a very long paper, and she's like, it's it's not okay. <laughs> When she went into she was literally like where I was too like man I don't know and I was just like oh dang she's gonna do and she's gonna get graded on it like that's terrifying she went in on it when you go in on it like ask honestly sit curiously don't try to affirm your own suspicions don't try to apply the text to what you already think right I think women should be able to do so let me find the scriptures for it very dangerous way to operate the text don't do it because it's not about you it's about finding jesus okay finding truth so let's be cautious okay um i spent too much time on that but it's very important so i want to go over a very important distinction that's going to be the bedrock of how i move forward and this is my this might be where i lose some of y'all <laughs> but i love you ready um An important distinction. I believe, and I believe that it comes from scripture, that sexual orientation refers to an enduring pattern of emotional, romantic, or sexual attractions to men, women, or both sexes. Okay? Sexual orientation also refers to a person's sense of identity based on those attractions, related behaviors, and membership in a community of others who share those attractions. Um. Let me just kind of boil it down. I believe that you can have a thought about something and not be suspect to that thing. So I could have um, an issue with alcohol. Alcoholism runs in my family. Okay. So as um, a as a person who's trying to submit to the Lord, I I I read in Scripture that I should not be drunk. I read that in Scripture. It tells me not to drink. It tells me not to be drunk. So I fight hard for it. But there's a tendency for me to like have a little too much, it's in me. It's in my DNA, scientists would tell me, that I have a propensity for an addictive nature. I was born this way. So I struggle, but I don't submit to it because I'm in charge of my choices. I'm not always in charge of what I crave. Some of me, there's a part of me that says, I love being drunk. It feels great, right? It's a part of me. But I don't submit to that. So what I just read poses the idea that I actually live out that a person can have attractions and not submit to them. And I believe that when we when we start to pose the idea like, oh, you're attracted, but that doesn't mean that you have to go the whole Um, You don't have to adopt the entirety of the identity of this culture. Um, I think that there's something that happens that brings hope to me. When I can tell a young person that, man, you're in charge of you, so just because you like that girl doesn't mean you have to sleep with that girl. And I believe the moment of sin happens when you submit yourself to your desires, not just when you have them. Okay? Okay. I'm a married woman, a heterosexual married woman, okay? And as a married woman, I am still required to guard my sexuality. It's not just out there. I'm married. I'm I'm a heterosexual married person. I'm just not able to do whatever I want, right? I am still potentially attracted to other men. I have the propensity, the possibility to be attracted to other men. I am never attracted to other men. My husband's back there. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it's possible, right? It's possible. I always tell the story I'm like, why do men run glisteny with no shirts on? Why do they do that? So I'm always like, oh, hey, you know, it's like I will avert my eyes. I literally move my eyes away from seeing them because I am committed to that man. I'm committed to the way the Lord has called me to be. And I will not take steps towards lust because I believe that there's a difference between a thought and lust. There's a difference. Saying, man, that, that, that's a nice set of abs. <laughs> you know, like, just having the thought. That's attraction, right? I haven't submitted to lust. Different thing. I can then go to bed, my husband's asleep, pull up the image of that man, and dwell. That is sin. I could find that man because he runs every day. I'm like, oh, hey, I run too. Like, we could start a thing. I sleep with that man who's not my husband. That is sin. So sometimes we get afraid that a person who has a thought, an attraction to a person of the same sex, that we swoop it all and be like, the whole thing's sin. They can't even be here because they're an abomination. And I feel like if we have the maturity to look at a whole person in relationship to the rest of the system because we actually don't behave that way in a lot of different areas, right? Like when people are struggling, you're like, oh, man, I fell off the wagon. I had a drink. You're like, it's okay, brother. Just keep going. You know what I mean? Like in other areas of sin, there is such a bounce-back ability, okay? But here we're like, if you ever even think of a woman, you know what I mean? Like we get really like absolutist, and I want to – pose the question about the possibility of maintaining hope for a person having a a thorough deep robust relationship with Christ and have same sex attraction in their head if they can deny their bodies as we do in a lot of other situations they're in and that's hard stuff that might grain against a lot of things. But man, I know some people who love Jesus who struggle here. I know some people who are faithful to the Lord with their bodies, with their eyes. This is their thorn. I know a lot of people actually. And so as we move forward, know that that's where I'm coming from, that that's possible to me. Um, it's possible to me that a person could love Jesus and this be their area of issue. It's possible. Um, And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he says, come on in. Praise the Lord that he says, come to me, all who are weary and broken and who need redemption. Praise the Lord, okay? And so if the Lord is saying, come on in, then I'm going to be like, yep, sit by me. That's the posture I'm going to sit with. Come sit by me which is not always easy because we disagree sometimes. <laughs> okay, how you guys doing? Okay, so I want us to be careful with some broad stroke methods, okay? So that what I was just cautioning is just be like, oh, they are fill in the blank, right? So I wanna be cautious about that because I don't really believe that that's um, helpful. It's not helpful. So if your student or your student's friend comes to you and is like, "Oh, look at this thing I like," and you're like, "Oh, dang, they're looking at Gabe Warren, right?" You witness it, right? Um, Don't just like chalk it up and be like, "They'll never," you know what I mean? Sometimes we can get real fast in our responses we can get real quick. I'll tell, I can tell, I can tell you a lot of stories of me overreacting. I got a ton of examples of me overreacting about little, little things. My son, one day, um, he was sitting on the couch when I went outside and then I came back like a couple hours later because I was gardening and he was still sitting in the same spot. I'm like, cool. And then I went and did some other stuff. I came back a couple hours later, still sitting there. And um, the fourth time and the sun is going down and I was like, oh my God. I like lost my mind. I'm like, what's wrong with your butt? What's wrong with your legs? You don't got legs. You can just, you need to walk around. What is, what's wrong with you? I like lost my mind on him. And I was like, I'm sorry. You know, like I wildly overreacted. I'm like, you don't have anything else in the world to do. Like I just called out all of his character, all of his motivations. And I was like, give me the phone. You know, like I just wildly overreacted. And he did nothing except offend my what I think should be done on a Saturday. (laughs) Something should be done on a Saturday. The boy sends thousands of texts a day, and it just, it's a miracle. I'm just trying to, it's a miracle. So we set some rules so that mama will be okay, but I tell you, I've over-responded. I've over-responded, so I get it, and that's just a tiny little thing, okay? When porn comes into the house, when an, uh, an explicit photo gets on my son's phone. Like, there are things that come, they're like, man, I want to over respond. It's in me. But we're gonna talk about ways to not do that, okay? I'm gonna get it in my mind that it is my goal. I'm not raising a kid to have a healthy teenager or a graduated kid. I'm raising kids for healthy parents. That's what I'm aiming at, okay? I'm aiming for healthy grandchildren. By what I'm doing today. When I keep it in my mind the long game, it means like I'm not gonna mess this up right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna eat my words. I wanna say, hold on one second, I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna come back at you later. Because I wanna over respond. Okay. So why is this important? Wait, did I miss something? I'm a little bit everywhere. Oh, why is this important? Praise the Lord. I'm going to start breezing, ready? Um, Because this minority group is hurting. i just give you guys some stats. The reason why this is important is because it's not like um, a lot of these kids are desiring this. I actually have a suspicion. Um, that there is a whole lot of mental health issues attached to this. And so I really do see it as like, man, this is, this is, an, this is a, a minority group that needs compassion, not rejection. And so because I sit there, so I'm like, man, this person, like, oh, man. As soon as the person tells me I'm not angry, I'm like, man, this has been hard for you. Guarantee if a person comes out to you, it has been hard for them. 100%. They don't, like, jump there willingly. They don't jump there excitedly. They don't get there, like, full of, like, I can't wait to show my mom. I'm going to tell her I'm gay. Like, that is not how that conversation happens. It is full of anxiety and angst and fear and struggle. Okay? And so when a kid comes to me, I am so grateful. (laughs) Thank you for telling me. Thank you for trusting me. Okay? Because I know this group is hurting. When a kid comes to me and they're saying they're struggling here, I know they're hurting. I know it. They just showed me their cards. So I'm gonna love on them, okay? I'm gonna do the thing I know how to do and I know how to love on people. Um, I think this is important because our current cultural situation, have you guys ever watched Disney Channel? They be telling you some things, okay? And so um, we make it a point and we're terrible at it now because my kids like terrible TV uh, to try to know what they're watching. So, so I like to be in the room. I, we have a rule that we like to, um, YouTube doesn't have, we don't have headphones when YouTube happens because I want to hear YouTube. Like YouTube's one of the ones where I'm like, there's not a lot of boundaries with what happens on that thing, so I want to hear it. So we, I have to hear it. And so I'm always like, yeah, you can do it, but I, you got to sit here. And he's like, okay. So he like sits so I can hear YouTube. I'm always listening. Um, because we live in a current cultural situation. I just read some stats earlier today where it says that the the rate of those who are questioning um, is, is like four times what it was 10 years ago in this generation. So it's like it's on an increase, um, and it's not actually on an increase at the, the end goal, the end result, like the amount of people who are actually gay at the end of the process of adolescence. That number is not changing, but ad- the adolescent number of those who are questioning is skyrocketing right now, okay? And so that means we have a whole lot of kids who are being exposed in a way that this is an option for when I feel bad, that's how I sum it up, and forgive me if that feels belittling, but I'm like, man, there has to be a reason why so many kids are struggling, and then through adulthood, they no longer struggle there, because those the numbers of those who actually end up in a, a homosexual relationship, forgive me for saying the word I'm not supposed to use, but those numbers are the same, okay? And so our current cultural situation is alarming, so we got we to gotta be involved here. Po- politically, it's getting crazy. There are changing philosophies. Um, A philosophy is just how you think about something. And there's a philosophy of, um, let me see if I can find it in my notes. Changing philosophies, dualism. So uh, dualism is the idea that your, your soul is separate from your body. Okay, so this is why you'll hear a lot of people say, like, it's just sex. It doesn't matter because they're denying the attachment of their body and their soul that one impacts the other dualism. They're two different things. And so it doesn't matter what I do to my body because it doesn't impact who I am. That's a current rising philosophy in our culture right now, which is why we can do horrendous things to our body and try not to feel bad about it. So we're actually denying the receptors that God has put in there that says sex is valuable to who you are and how you are. God put those receptors in us, and dualism is denying those receptors on a regular basis. That sounds like a mental health issue to me. So when I hear a girl who's been sleeping around, sleeping around, sleeping around, I question her mental health. Like, what are you doing to deny the God-given part of you that says all that you're doing matters? What are you doing? What What are you doing? How are you numbing that sensation? Because this Is a God given gift and it matters. How are you getting away with this and feeling okay about yourself? Ask those questions, okay? And so um, the changing philosophies is a big deal. Changing healthcare, um, there are some doctors who are concerned. Some doctors who are concerned because they're being asked to do things that even they're like, what? We have to do that now? I do want to just talk about uh, transgenderism just for a second. I don't have a good enough grasp on it to teach on it confidently. I'm still figuring it out. But I just want to speak these few things. Transgenderism, remember that's the one where a boy grows up and he doesn't feel like a boy. He thinks he's supposed to be a girl. And this is rampant, okay? Very, very common. And I just want to say a few things. Number one, strong feelings that a person may have about their sexual identity do not make it true. So we can say, like, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. And we say that about a lot of things. But for some reason, we're not allowed to say that about this right now. Um, actually, a lot of people don't say that anymore about anything. Like, if you say, um, whatever, we live on Mars, and I guess that's your truth, right? Um, feelings are not facts. So because you feel like a boy doesn't mean you are a boy. You have male genitalia. And that, that's God-given male genitalia. Okay. With that comes some chromosomes and some hormones. All of this is intentional. Okay. Some dissatisfaction with one's body is normal for teenagers. Praise the Lord. Didn't we all go through that? Like, man, I definitely felt like a dude because I was a late bloomer. I was like, when do I get the girl stuff? Right? Like, when does that happen? Um, if I was born in age like today, I could have wondered, am I really a boy? Because the question is posed so often, regularly, and promoted, the question exists. So when a young girl isn't developing appropriately, she might be like, am I a boy? That's a viable question right now. But dissatisfaction with your body is so normal. When a boy is a late bloomer, and he, like, everybody around him is all of a sudden six foot tall, and he still literally looks like a fourth grader, and those boys exist, I'm always like, oh my gosh, that poor kid, you know what I mean? Like, man, I wonder how he feels about his body right now, because the world might be telling him he's probably supposed to be a girl. And so I pray for that short high school kid, and I pray that the Lord protect his sense of self, that nobody tells him he should have been a girl. Because he's probably uncomfortable with his body, right? Um, The drastic action of transition is often demonstrated by self-hate, okay? Um, As a youth pastor, I dealt with self-harm a ton in the early 2000s. Um, We don't deal with self-harm like we used to. I think sexual exploration might have replaced that. I deny my feelings by exploring sexually, and denying my insides, numbing something. Um, there are some factors that are related to psychological aspects of transgenderism. I think that when we are not good at loving atypical or non-conforming lifestyles, we push people towards transgenderism. When we make fun of boys who are sensitive and artistic and good with words and we don't celebrate those things and some of we are like, how come you can't throw a football? When we say those things, we actually push them towards looking for affirmation because they're not getting it from us. And so I feel, very, I feel very strongly about this because I feel like we actually might be denying a future artist, a future professor, a future, um, a future Picasso. You know what I mean? There, there's, there could be something future in him that he actually starts to deny because God has made him sensitive and we start to call it out as broken when actually that's a God-given part of him. Sensitivity has nothing to do with masculinity. right? And so sometimes we, we wrap it up in a way that actually denies a person's createdness. And we push them towards needing affirmation somewhere else. Let's be cautious how we talk to young people. When a girl is strong-minded, strong-willed, maybe she likes sports, she's not a boy because of those things. She's not like a boy (laughs) because of those things. Right? Oh, look at you. You can throw like a boy. You know what I mean? Like those questions right now, those comments right now, those are not healthy comments because what that does to a person's insides right now when the whole world is saying you can be whatever you want to be. And who would want to be a boy? Boys are awesome. You know what I mean? So if you're really kind of thinking strategically, like, man, boys have easier, easier wor- work. You know, like, you kind of start to think from a girl's perspective. If she strategic? Like, go to be a boy, dude. That's rad. No. <laughs> you got to honor the way that God has created you to be, right? And so uh, we got to be cautious of those things. Age-specific combos. Ready? Young kids, number one, I think this is crucial. You can start this at a young age. Be cautious how you talk about sex in general because if we make sex dirty talk in our house, they will find answers elsewhere. And we want to guard the sex conversations. We want to own it completely. It's mine. Nobody else gets to inform the way my kids talk about sex. Nobody else. I have fought hard to be the 100%, my husband and I, the 100% owner of the sex talk in my kids' world. We fought hard for it. At this stage, because my kids are now in in a different stage where their influences are broader, I know I'm not the only teacher anymore. I can bank on it. I've worked hard for it, I'm hopeful that maybe I still am, but statistics suggest there's other teachers. When your kids are little, you teach them that you're the teacher by teaching them that they can come to you, okay? If it's dirty, if it's nasty, if it's taboo, if we like, don't talk, to them, don't, you know, if we shut it down really quick, um, young kids learn, I don't go to mom about these things, okay? Um, LGBT are not evil. Because if they struggle later in life and they think you think they're evil, they're going to think you think they're evil and you'll be the last to know. You should be the first to know. Seek to be the first to know. Gosh, seek to be the first to know. So watch your words, watch your comments, okay? Because kids pick up a lot from you. Teach creation. If a kid knows that they're created on purpose, with a purpose, with a body that was intentionally given to them. I tell my kids all the time, like, I'm so glad sh- God chose you to be my daughter. You know what I mean? Like, that was God's choice. He did that. I'm so glad that God has such a mighty plan for us as a family. Like, these are things we talk about all the time. So There's no accidental identities. No accidental identities. It's all intentional. Be careful of statements like, when a boy likes or loves another boy, they're gay. Because a lot of boys They do like other boys. (laughs) They're like, oh, I like my dad. And in this world where all of those thoughts are being reinforced, those statements become um, categorized inappropriately. It can be, right? So just be thoughtful. And so if you're like, what's gay? Figure out your answer to that question, right? Don't be like, well, it's when boys like other boys. I like boys, you know, they could just... Yeah, but not like that. You know, you just gotta <laughs> get there. And they might even they may not even respond in a way that you know how they took your words. So just be thoughtful when they're young. Elementary aids age, age, you wanna define loving relationships more clearly. Um, we talk about oneness um, the oneness of scripture where, um, there's one relationship intentionality, like one man for one woman, um, and the, how, you know, that you're not supposed to have lots and lots of marriages and things like that. We talk about that a lot. We talk about permanence. Um, let me get my notes. Permanence means friendships may change, but marriage should last a lifetime. So there's, there's a shift in some relationships, but marriage is the one that's not supposed to shift. That's the one that, man, once you s- decide this, it's it's for the long haul. We talk about male and female. Um, God separated humanity into male and female, and then he marriage brings those two back together. And then we talk about this a lot, actually, is that not everyone has a Christian worldview. So we're going to be different. We're going to have a Christian worldview. We're going to look at our movies. like. We're, so my son asked me, he's like, can I go watch Dungeons and Dragons? I'm like, yeah, let me see. You know, like... We, we filter the choices through our Christian worldview. So the rating alone doesn't do it for me, okay? Because that is a rating determined by somebody who may not love Jesus. So if I go on the websites, I go on the crazy mom websites, and it says, oh, it's like lots of beheadings. I'm like, cool beans, you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, there's, you know, so I, I'm making sure that I'm affirming in all of our choices that, man, I might decide this different even if everybody else decides it's okay because we're coming at this from a different worldview, and so that's going to be, that's going to set a foundation when you start talking about sexuality. Like, oh man, this is where you're at? Man, this is what the Lord says. Because that's a common thing you've already been doing. This is what the Lord says about what we watch. This is what the Lord says about doing chores. This is what the Lord says about honoring your father and mother. When we, when we build in the expectation that we have a Christian worldview and that we're different because of it, it makes that other, that other conversation foundational or already have a foundation. Um, keep in mind that they are watching you. Okay, so if you're nasty to certain people, if you're, um, if you are not faithful, okay, if you are not good at sexuality, they're watching that. Okay, if you have an issue with pornography, if you talk bad about your spouse, if the marriage covenant isn't honored within your household, they watch that. And so, if it's nasty in your home, they might want other options. Well, that doesn't work. Let me go see. You know, so they're watching. They're watching. Age 11 plus, walk with your kids. Assume that um, that they're now walking some stuff out. Don't assume that you have full authority over everything in their world. You're now walking with them. Because man, at this stage, most of them have technology. Most of them have access to things. So you're now walking with your kids. I think at this age, you want to start to tell some testimonies of people who have um, had restored marriages, people who have come out of the lifestyle. You want to start to paint the picture of hope, right? I know a lot of people, even within this room, where, man, their marriage was messed up, and then the Lord did a work once they submitted to Him. Those are stories I want my kids to know about. I want them to know about the possibility of God in relationships, okay? And so we regularly talk about God's heart, Um, we share about uh, some, we share about the fact that some people are really hurting in the area of sexuality. Okay. So I remember my daughter asking one time about like, how come that lady doesn't, that baby doesn't have a daddy, you know? And I'm like, man, you know, like some people like, they probably weren't married and that stinks. Cause God, God intended for parents to be two, you know? And so if you don't do it when you're married, sometimes you only get one parent, and that would be painful, right, for that baby not to have a dad. So we talk about the pain of that reality in, in a compassionate way, not a judgmental way. Like, she should have been married. You know, Like there's a way, right? And sometimes it sounds like that, honestly, because that's like, I'm like, she should have been married, right? But if we, if we roll it back into the seat of compassion, we recognize that there's actually reasons to um, intervene here from a Christian perspective. We should be compassionate here because there's hurt there. And we have to make sure our kids realize that nothing's impossible for God. Okay, even if they have a twisted view of their sexuality, that's not impossible for the Lord. Just general conversation tips guys, always respond with questions because there's a good chance you don't understand what your kid just said. Okay, so if they say something to you, assume you don't understand, ask for clarity. Just repeat it for me. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? We're going to say it again. What do you mean by that? I say that all the time. My kids are like, like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Because I have no clue sometimes. And sometimes I have a suspicion. And I'm like, he better not be saying what I think he means. You know what I mean? But I give him the benefit. What do you mean by that? You know? And he's like, oh, I meant this. I'm like, oh, good. Good. That's right. That's what you meant, you know? Um, (laughs) My poor kids. They have a crazy mom. What do you mean by that? Um, One of the things I say all the time, especially in youth ministry, interesting. Can you tell me more? I'm not gonna say anything about this yet. I do not know what we're dealing with. I don't know if they're baiting me. I've been baited. Okay, which meant a kid was like, uh, well, there's this one girl and I love her to death. Okay, so she was she was lesbian the entire time I knew her. And then she had graduated, come back from college a couple years, and she was like, hey, guess what? I'm no longer a lesbian. And honestly, my reaction was like, whoo! <laughs> like, I was so like, Yeah, the Lord redeemed! Like, I just like and then she was like, I'm just kidding. And I was like, uh, and then she was super pissed and like didn't talk to me for a year. And I just like I heard her because I celebrated. Interesting. Can you tell me more? <sighs> Would have saved me a whole year of a gap. She's come back since then. I'm like, oh, I know you still love me. I'm like, okay. But I was like, really? Oh my gosh! Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been baited, and so I don't know what kids are after. I don't know what these kids are after. Are they wanting you to reject them? So they say a thing just to see what you're going to say. Interesting. Tell me more about that. <laughs> Interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, a question I ask, often ask is how does that work in relationship to your faith? Especially if they're a believer. If you know they're a believer. So tell me about how you can decide that um, knowing what you know about scripture. Talk to me about that. Just tell me your perspective. Because they've come up with a, a way or they've denied it all completely. And now we have a crisis of faith, which that's actually primary. Okay? Um, Breathe. Watch your face. Because they're doing that too. Here's key. You do not have to know all the answers, but you have to be willing to engage. And sometimes I'll say, you know what, I need to figure this out because I don't know. Um, And I think actually kids appreciate that. I think young people appreciate that. Be brave. Be brave. So if you're suspicious of something, dig in. If you've got, you got an inclination about something going wrong in your kid's head, ask. Like, hey, how are you feeling? How are you doing with your friends? Do you have anybody that you're attracted to right now? Like, who are you interested in? Just get after it. Get after it. Ask your kids those questions. Do not be afraid of your kids. Don't be afraid of them. They're kids. You're an adult. Ask the hard questions. Be brave. Okay, flyby combos are my favorite. My my poor children, I get they get peppered with deep conversations on the fly. They're like putting their shoes on, I'm like, hey, how how are your friends talking about homosexuality? Tell me now. Okay, let's go to school. You know, like I'm just like, we like flyby combos, it's not like okay, everybody sit down. We're gonna have a talk about LGBT plus QI community. Like we're not doing that, okay? Because all of a sudden now it's this big old thing, everybody's sweating. Fly-by conversations, okay? So like, hey, tell me about that girl that you used to have a crush on. You still got a crush on her? Cool, moving on, you know? Like, I just, like, fly-by conversations. That is our method right now. So my kids, every day, they get some sort of like, what did mom just do, you know? And they're just always caught off guard, and they're like, uh, yes, you know? They just tell me. I'm like, cool, good to know, bye. Um, fly-by conversations. Don't make it a big deal. It's a big deal, but don't make it feel like a big deal. Don't make it feel like super serious, because it should be just a normal part. Like, man, we talk about hard stuff, you know? Like, hey, man, did you guys notice your dad was really mad the other day? What do you guys think um, we should do to make it better for your dad, you know? Hey, did you guys realize, um, I, I kind of blew up at you guys this morning, and here's why. I was having a really hard day. She's like, I could tell. I'm like, yep, we could tell. We could all tell. I had a really bad day. So I apologize. Um, I'm going to do my best to move on. Ready? Bye. You know, like, we just move on. We just move. We just get it done. It's a normal part of our life, Okay. OK? What do I do if my kid comes out to me? Number one, will you hear them out? Let them talk. Because it probably took months, if not years, of convincing themselves to have that conversation. Hear them out. It's okay to take time to respond. You might just hug them and literally walk away. Okay? If you ain't got nothing nice to say, Don't wreck this, okay? Ask questions. Some questions come from a place of accusation, and you know the difference. Ask questions that are because you love your kid, and you're concerned. Because remember, any kid who's been struggling here, they're struggling. So you should be concerned that your kid's been struggling. Like, man. How are you doing? Has any have you told anybody else? Is am I the first pr- you've told okay, you told this person, how did they respond? Have you ever dated anybody? You know, just like even the tone of the questions, like, oh, have you ever dated anybody? You look like, like if you can't get to the place where your questions sound like concern and curiosity and love, then don't ask yet. Wait. Just wait because you have to sit in love and acceptance of your child. In that moment, if you have the composure, you can talk briefly, I don't know if I spelled briefly, I-B-4-E, oops, briefly about your biblical convictions. I say briefly only because you do not want to start preaching at your kid in that moment. They've just opened their heart to you. They've just revealed a very secret part of themselves, a very um, fear Enshrouded part of themselves. And if you just be like, here's a scripture for it, you know, if you just kind of whip that out, that does not sound like love. It does not sound like love when that happens to me. When everybody's like, you do what you got to do according to the ways of the Lord. You better serve like the Lord. Like when people come at me when I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, okay, thanks. And it's about nothing important, right? Like don't hit me with scripture when I'm in a mood. <laughs> like it's not effective, right? And so be thoughtful, like that is not the time, but you can, you can get there a little bit, right? Like, hey man, you, remember what we talked, we've talked about this a little bit, so I just want you to know that I love you, you are my kid, and the Lord has made you to be my kid, but there, God has some things to say about this, and so we're going to get there one day. They should already know what you think, so it should just be a reminder, Distinguish the difference between attraction and behavior. This is my favorite thing to do. Okay, so I always say like, hey, have you had sex with anybody yet? Most likely they haven't. Most likely it's still in here. Okay, it might be on their phones. Pornography is usually the first step, okay? And I believe that engaging in pornography is sinful behavior, okay, because it's lustful thoughts. A lot of times you can start to parse it out for them and give them some hope that they're not on a trajectory to hell, right? You can give them some hope. You start start to parse it out. Um, Really important. Set boundaries, but do not operate out of a spirit of rejection. Okay? And usually that part doesn't have to be in that first conversation. Um boundaries are normal, part of any dating relationship for young people, okay, because no young people should be having sex, right? Like, that's normal. (laughs) Um, And if it's not normal in your household, you better recognize that that's gonna be an issue. If there's not consistency, if like sister can have sex with her boyfriend, but also brother can't have sex with his, that will be problematic, and you will need to align yourself according to scripture in order to hold the line according to scripture um okay Uh, share about oh wait wait wait. Uh, consider counseling but I would say counseling is not your first step it's not a quick step and it should be motivated well I am the receiver of a lot of freaked out parents who've had a conversation or walked into their kid watching porn and they call me quick will you will you get my kid (laughs) will you they're they're messed up will you fix them and then I'm just always like, oh, yeah, a little talk. And the only thing I talk about is their relationship with Christ and their relationship with their parents. That's usually it in a first meeting because their relationship with uh, how they view other people is secondary to those things. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. I don't have one. Okay, then we don't need to talk about your sexuality We don't need to. We need to talk about you and Jesus because there's nothing I can say about a person's sexuality that's going to fix them. Zero. The only thing that fixes, quote unquote, a person's sexual issue is relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if that's dysfunctional, we got nothing to say about the other. I don't go there. I do not go there. And usually that ticks parents off. So they'll be like, what'd you talk about? Did they say you? I'm like, well, we talked about the fact that they haven't read their Bible ever. They've never prayed. And you think they're a Christian. We talked about that. We also talked about how they feel like they can't talk to you. OK? Those are usually the things. Um, so consider counseling, but it's not a, so guard your motives. If you're taking your kid to counseling for them to be fixed, they know it. They're not going to talk to their counselor, OK? Which is why I'm always like, do you want to be here? And the kid's like, nope. I'm like, OK, you want some chocolate? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, like we're not, I'm not going to force a kid to like disclose things that took them years to tell their parents, or they didn't even tell their parents. They got caught, usually. Um, Consider talking to a pastor. That's you. A lot of times parents need support, right? And so we always want to fix our kids, but really the process of helping our kids, you might need some some (laughs) some spiritual support. And acknowledge the options and uh, acknowledge the difficulty of those options. Here's a couple options I just want to share with you guys. Um, I know a lot of people who um, are same-sex attracted that doesn't go away even after they love Jesus and they live a celibate life. I mean, they just choose, I'm not going to get married. And let me tell you, that is not an easy choice, but it's out there. And people are living full lives with a thorn in their side. Okay, it's an option. Um, I know people who have submitted their lives to Jesus, and Jesus has given them um, a love for somebody of the opposite sex. So they're married, and they still struggle with same-sex attraction. Okay, they call that, what do they call that? I think I put it in here mixed orientation marriage. It's a garbage term in my opinion, but um, it just means that they 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 love their spouse, they're attracted to their spouse, they have kids, but they still struggle. And sometimes they'll struggle to look at women, sometimes they'll struggle to look at men. Mixed attraction, okay? Um, and then there is a lot of stories of freedom from LGBT um, thoughts. But I do say that that is not always, like, the starting point. Just be cautious about that being the starting point. Let's pray for freedom from this, right? Pray for connection to Christ. Pray for relationship with Jesus. Pray for healthy relationship between you and that kid, okay? Because I don't know any person who's ever been set free who wasn't radically done so by Jesus Christ. It did not come from a a really cool counseling session with so-and-so, okay? It did not happen from reading this book, Came from a transformative moment with Jesus. Okay? So work hard there. Okay? Get them into a group. Get them in, like, just, and then you can't just send your kid to group. You better be sitting there with them. You better be worshiping alongside them. You better get in in the house of God. Okay? So here's for you don't haunt or assume the cause of your kid's thing. Don't assume you're, you had bad parenting or so-and-so touched them. Don't just start assuming the cause, okay? Because then you'll start treating them like they're broken. And you'll start treating them like you're fixing them. And nobody feels love when they're being fixed by their parents or by their friends. Nobody feels love. Operate consistently whenever possible, which is most likely often. So what you do with your one kid, you must do with the other, Okay. So we've always said this is this is the dating rule in my house cuz I don't like rules that allow me to no longer be in charge. Okay, my rules, like, leave me in charge forever. (laughs) So me and my husband, we've always told our kid, literally from when he was, like, three years old, because we're crazy, and we've been raising future parents, and so I've been thinking of him as a junior higher and in high school, and I said, guess when you're going to be able to date? Because they're like, oh, in kindergarten, so-and-so's got a girlfriend. I'm like, that's weird in kindergarten, right? I just say, that's weird. That's, like, crazy, because girlfriends are in order to figure out who you're going to marry, and they're they're definitely not getting married anytime soon. You know, we just, like, talked about it all the time. And then we would say things like, um, you know, when you're going to start dating, it's not going to be a matter of when, it's going to be a matter of if you're ready and who you pick. If you're ready and who you pick. And guess who decides if you're ready and if who you pick is good? Me and your dad. So that could be 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and my house 19. You know, like, if you're ready and who you pick. (laughs) And so far he hasn't, he hasn't been ready and he's acknowledged that when he's liked young ladies we'll talk about it like hey you like this girl are you you think you're ready today he's like oh probably not I'm not very responsible amen brother you got that you ain't ready like we just agree like because he knows he knows what I'm looking for are you thinking huh I can't I can't even find my shoes that's right you ain't ready you ain't ready okay so operate consistently don't like make up all these crazy new rules okay? And so sometimes if you haven't established any rules and this kid comes to you with this, you're probably going to need to get to the point where you establish some rules, but do it consistently. Hold other kids to the same standard, okay? Consider talking with a pastor for yourself. That's that like counseling. Um, there's a really cool statement here by um, Elizabeth Woning. She is a woman who, like, long-time radical lesbian, like, promoting like advocating for um lgb issues in the church um and she had a moment of transformation with the lord like she was a, a professing christian went through seminary as a lesbian fought hard to make sure that women pastors could be lesbians in the church she's like written all these things she's worked hard had a moment with the lord and laid it all down Okay. So she's writing some epic stuff. Okay? She's writing some incredible things from a very personal place. And this is what she says, "Following Christ is not a gay to straight journey. Both are false constructs. Discipleship is a matter of changing one's mind and worldview to believe we are all simply human beings." Together, that path requires real repentance a change of mind, and an environment that can facilitate life in Christ alongside self-knowledge, understanding of our past, perspective on our gifts, strengths, honor, dignity, transformation, hope, and essentially, it requires the kingdom of God. We need an environment where we can be cherished while being authentic as we lay down our LGBT identity, one that is undaunted by temptation can you create that environment for your kid? That's the question. If they come to you or their friends come to you, are you that environment where they're going to be loved and valued enough to have a transformative moment with Jesus that does the life-changing work? Okay? Um, I have some thoughts here. They're really, um, they could be very quick, and I'll never do it fast. Um, But for those who care, we need to nurture and support kids that don't fit in easily. Search them out. Find them. Like this kid, he's sitting by himself. Guess what? He's my new best friend. Find the kids. Because those are kids who are probably hurt and struggling somewhere. If it's not this issue, it's another. Why are they isolated? Because they're often targets of a world that says, come to me, you'll have ultimate assurance. You have an identity, you have a language, you have a dress code. I have a friend of mine, she just decided that she's, um, she's queer. And all of a sudden, like, literally her hair is different. She shaved the side of her head, she's wearing this faux hawk, and I'm like, oh, dang, like, there is there's this desire to be unique while also going into the world where there's literally a dress code. And that, that is true of any kind of subculture. Skaters, the same thing. Like, I'm a rebel, and nobody tell me what to do except you dress like all the other skaters, because there's security and community. So the homosexual community will create that community for people so when they're isolated and they are no longer okay with it, there is a wide open door in that community. I prefer to be the wide open door. And I fight hard for that. We need to learn to get past the focus on behavior and sin issues. Do we actually see people? this is what I say in youth ministry a lot, lot, is that I'm okay with being dishonored by kids who are hurting. It don't bother me. The Lord honors me. I don't expect these kids to honor me because they're hurting, okay? I don't expect it, okay? Because I'm going to keep the door open. I'm going to be the person that they know they can trust because when they dishonored me, I didn't reject them, okay? The Lord will be my defender. I don't got to defend me, The Lord, if he's my defender, I certainly don't need to be his defender, so it's okay if they're being disrespectful hood rats, right? Like, I'm okay with that because I'm going to love them all the way to the point of salvation, right? And that is hard work, and it will um, wear you down. But do you see people, not just their issues? Um, And then we need to provide a safe place free from comments that ridicule and hurt, and do you believe that they're made in the image of God? Do you believe they're made in the image of God? you believe they're made in the image of God? I do. I do. Um, and so I tell them that. <laughs> Figure out how they can be incorporated into the group. Um, they are a fractured and lonely people, and sometimes we uh, re-emphasize that by creating a, a lot of boundaries. Um, there was a young lady, she was definitely heading towards transgender lifestyle, and she would regularly challenge me on being in my girls group. You know I want to be in the boys' group. And I'm like, yes, I do. And you're going to sit right next to me, sis. Okay? You're my lady. You're my girl. You're the one God chose for me. And you're going to sit right next to me. <laughs> you're not getting out of my group. You're not getting out of my community. I'm not letting you go. I'm going I'm to hug you too, you know. <laughs> I just get after you. Like, you're mine and I care about you. Um, <laughs> it's fun stuff, man. So parents, think about these things. Number one, you are the parent. Do not question that. You are not their friend first. You're the parent first. When we get that mixed up, man, it starts to make the rules that come across when, when issues happen. All of a sudden they're like, wait a, wait a second. I thought you were my homie. Bruh. You know, they start like, no, I am not your bruh. I am your ma. <laughs> There's always room to grow as a parent. If you're a parent, not their friend first, guard against the desire to overprotect. Let me talk about this one real quick, and then maybe I'll let you go. Guard against the desire to overprotect. When we overprotect our kids, they have no idea how to self-heal. When we overprotect our kids, when they're pushed down, they stay down. Our kids need grit. Our kids need mental health um, resilience. If we over-protect, if nobody ever gets to tell our kid that they're, they're chunky, like, don't talk to my kid that way. Yeah, okay, but, like, listen, maybe they're chunky, okay? Now, now I'm not saying we're going to be mean to our kids, but when we, over, we never allow them to deal with the reality of meanness. We never d- allow them to deal with the fact that they failed. You failed, little man. You failed, little girl. Like, that was a failure, and guess what? We're going to get back up. We're going to do better later. Like, we don't pretend like failure. That wasn't a failure. You just, you just did your best. When we overprotect our kids, they have no clue how to be okay when they're away from you and they fail. They expect the entire world to cater to their emotional response, which is often introverted and never um, about the other. It's always about them. So you can overprotect your kids. Okay, as much as, I mean, we live in a world where we have the capacity to protect them from literally everything. They can come out the house, like, purely without blemish. You know what I mean? Don't overprotect your kids. They need some grit. Watch them from the window fall down and watch them get back up. Don't run out there. Just wait. They're going to look around. Nobody saw. Guess what? I'm fine. Okay? Watch them disagree with their friends. Don't intervene. Don't text the the friend's mom. You better get your kid. No. Watch them figure it out. You know what I mean? And I've thought about it. I've been like, so-and-so, she, her son, you know what I mean? Like, I I get there. I want to defend my kid. I want to tell that mom that her skin, you know what I mean? I want to get there. But I'm going to let my kid work out this issue. I'm going to let him work it out. My kid doesn't like, he has this thing about blending the friend groups when his church friends and his school friends come together. He's like, I don't know how to do it. I'm like, guess what? That's the real word. You're going to do it. Your friend's mad at you because you you treated him bad at your party. You better go apologize. I'm not going to do that for him. like, you got to go do it. Go do it. I'm like literally always kicking him, pushing him out of the way because he wants to be protected. He wants it. He wants that easy. But I am not going to overprotect my kid because I want him to be gritty. I want him to be strong in character. I want him to be able to come back when people say he's dumb. Because, man, people tell me I'm dumb right now. Like as a 36-year-old woman, people tell me I'm dumb. People tell me I'm not good enough. People tell me this. And I have to know how to get over it. How is my kid going to know how to get over that if we don't let him actually receive some of those things now in the protection of our home? If we protect them too much, how many guys have been told insulted by somebody as an adult and you had to get over it, right? You learned that because it probably happened first when you were a kid, right? We can't, pr- we cannot bubble wrap our children. Don't do it. They need to know how to be an overcomer. Okay, you guys can read the rest of these. Um, I have some resources at the end those are really good books. There's a ton more, but those are the ones that I feel like are kind of easy to read, easy to understand. Um, There's some really cool online resources. Uh, um, Gosh, which is the one? Uh, Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. They wrote some epic resources on pastoring, parenting, very specific. Like, should I use pronouns? Should I use the request? Should I, um, should I have, should these people have communion? Like they get into the nitty gritty. Those of you guys who are in ministry, excellent, excellent documents on how to, should I go to so-and-so's wedding? Like those are tough, very specific issues and they write about it. Just to give you some framework, they're not gonna tell you exactly what to do, but it's helpful. Okay, so I am going to close. I'm gonna close in prayer, okay? Because I believe, if you have questions, literally email me. And I will answer them. My email is my name, Candice. It's in the front. Is it in the front? Candice at KCHANford.com. Email me your questions because I didn't end in time, like I said. Um, But let me just tell you guys, there's work to be done, and we are equipped to do it. We can do this. It's not impossible. It's not dire, and it's not outside of the plan of the Lord for us to be in this day. And that excites me. That makes me feel like, man, this is the challenge that we are given. You know, there there are seasons when Christians were running from lions. You know what I mean? There are seasons when Christians were, there are seasons when Christians were doing certain things that they were negotiating the the um, the the ways that organizational church works. Like there, there's been seasons. We are living in a season where this is a big deal. And so this is a thing we get to do. This is a thing we get to pastor. This is a thing we get to do in ministry um, in this generation. So if you don't have a teenager or a young person that you get to oversee or influence, be praying for those who do. And like I said, when when I'm driving by and I see a kid who I suspect is probably struggling, I pray for him right then and there. Because ultimately, all of this is a spiritual issue. It's all a spiritual issue. And so as we keep our mind on what God has called us to, he's called us to higher, he's called us to better, and it's all possible, okay? Transformation is possible, restoration is possible, and your intervention is probably a key part of that. You loving a kid at the right time in the right way is probably key to that transformation process, okay? So do not deny your ability and your requirement to be engaged in the game, because it's a big deal, and you're fully equipped to do it because we have Jesus, okay? So we are fully equipped because we have Jesus. We need nothing else, okay? So let me pray for y'all. So Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, for who you are and how you are. I'm thankful, Lord, that you are so good, that you are so present, that even right now that you're inspiring some of us, Father. You have given many of us so many specific gifts and talents where this generation needs our voice. My God, I pray right now that you would just start to put some language in people's minds that they can post on social media to affirm the people in their world. God, I pray that there would be so many safe havens in um, those who are represented in this room, that there would be households where people can run to because they're rejected from their own. My God, I pray that there would be um, such a heart for this generation and not a resistance of them, my God, that they are not where the battle lies, my Lord, that our enemy is the principalities and the darkness of this world, not kids who struggle with their sexuality, my Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would sharpen our words, that you would get us on our knees in Jesus' name, and that we would stay adamant about you being the, the victor and us being the one who carries the flag to victory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I will be up here.